Morning, church. First Sunday of Advent. We light a candle as we enter into the season of wait, the anticipated arrival of Christ born in a humble beginning in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. It's a joyous occasion. And we also reenact our current wait. Return. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We need you now. Right? So our waiting looks back and our waiting looks forward. It's kind of got this dual meaning. So we will spend the next four weeks entering into this season of wait. We've entitled this Building Bridges. And I thought I would walk us through this Advent season this year featuring the Psalms. Now I have a question. Have any of you here heard an Advent series by a pastor through the Psalms? Just go ahead and raise your hand. Okay, good. A couple of you. This is fabulous. Uh, well, you got a new one right here. I like trying different things. I'm struck by the Psalms because the Psalms are, according to Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the prayer book of the Bible. So to learn to pray is to read the Psalms. To read the Psalms is to learn to pray. To pray is to engage in the full emotions of all of the Psalms, 1 through 50. And every human emotion is found in Psalms 1 through 50. They're very human. They're earthy. They touch to the core of the soul. They take us to the, deep, the depths of despair and the heights of hope, which sounds like... Advent, does it not? We're going to start today with Psalm 80. Psalm 80 is a poem, it's a song, and it's kind of angry. And it's interesting because there are two Sundays in the liturgical calendar every year where we allow ourselves to be angry, to be upset in church. Doesn't that sound kind of counterintuitive? Mostly because we're a culture that flees from anger, and we're more stoic, I suppose, than human at times. And our North American culture, and Western culture in particular, is always about the pep show and the pep rally. Yet the reality, if I really talked with each of us here, we don't always feel that way. That's the goodness, the thank goodness truth of it all, is it not? I mean, aren't there just days where you wake up and you're just not feeling it? Not my wife. She's always gone. Yeah. (laughs) But there are. There are days where you just wake up and you're not feeling it, right? What's going on in the world? God, where are you? Come, Lord Jesus, come. That's the nature of the Psalms. They lead us into those places where... It's difficult to go, yet we're glad we went there after the fact. This psalm, Psalm 80, that I'm going to read for us, and we're going to look at the three moves of Psalm 80, and we're actually going to build the sermon together using this entire front of the sanctuary. Doesn't that sound kind of fun? We're going to enter into this together today as a way to remember the cadence of Psalm 80. So I'm pretty excited about this, deep anticipation. Psalm 80 is 
meant for the community. This is not a psalm that you read on your own. This is a psalm that we engage in together corporately. This psalm, Psalm 80, is bold, and you'll see, and I'll point it out. Psalm 80 is meant for the worship service of the people of God. Psalm 80 is pastoral. Psalm 80 is for us today. Psalm 80 gives us permission to lament with a driving force that propels us forward to hope because Jesus Christ holds the tensions together. Kierkegaard said that paradox is the midwife of truth. And if we're going to make bridges, we have to understand just a little bit about the construction of bridges. Now, I'm not a physicist, nor am I an engineer, but I am told the one thing that is important to bridge building and making is that good, strong bridges hold the tensions together from each side. Am I right? Thank you. There's an architect. I thank you. I feel so much better now. It's the tension that holds the bridge together. That's what's happening in Psalm 80. The tensions of lament are held together with the tensions of hope because of the promise of the Son of God in Jesus Christ. It's important for us in a pep rally culture to learn to live with lament, yet not be left in the despair of lament, but to be propelled forward and future to hope because of the arrival of God, Jesus Christ. Making strong bridges, we need to live in the tensions of that, do we not? Okay, Psalm 80 Let's read Psalm 80 together, and I will highlight a few of these, and then we're going to construct a message together today using this fabulous backdrop behind me. Psalm 80, the NIV. Okay, check this out right away. Hear us. The the psalmist is writing a poem and a song to God, and and it starts out, hear us. Where are you? We can't, we can't hear you. Hear us, O shepherd of Israel. You who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might. Come and save us. Restore us. May your face shine upon us that we may be saved. O Lord God Almighty, how long will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us a source of contention to our neighbors and our enemies. They mock us. Do you hear the lament? It's strong. And yet, restore us, almighty God. Make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. Yet you brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. Let your hand rest 
on the man at your right hand. The son of man you have raised up for yourself. And then, then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. The reading of God's holy word. Thanks be to God. Okay, strong bridges, making strong bridges means that we live in the tensions. We live in the tensions of lament and we live in the tensions of hope because there's the anticipation of the arrival of the one who sits at the right hand of God to make all things right and new. That sounds Christmassy. Eh? Three movements in this Advent faith of ours today as we begin this morning of mourning. M-O-R-N-I-N-G. This morning of M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Let's talk a little bit about lament. What were the people lamenting? What did the people of God, the poet, want God? I mean, he starts out with a real strong, hey God, hear us. It's so hard for us to get our minds around the fact that between the end of the First Testament and the beginning of the Second Testament, there's 350 years of complete silence of God. 350 years of the complete and total silence of God. And we, we reenacted twice already earlier today one minute of silence to recognize the absence of God. How was that, by the way? There was a little tension in there. Isn't that fascinating? One minute of, ooh, hey, ooh, ooh, where are you, God? What's coming next? Ooh, ooh. Hold that in juxtaposition with 350 years. Alfredo's words were profound, and he doesn't even realize it, but when his daughter says, Dad, come here, I want to show you something, and he says, what do you want me to see? And she says, no, just, just come follow me. That's the word of the man that sits on the right hand of God in a world of lament, looking for hope. Jesus simply says, don't worry about it, just come follow me. Just follow me. You might have to spend a minute in silence. You might even have to spend 350 years in silence. But you know what, don't worry about it, just come and follow me. Actually, kids don't spend a minute in silence. So it wouldn't have been much longer than about 15 seconds. How long was it, by the way? Immediate, wasn't it? You followed her immediately. Yes. What are some other things that we notice in this text? There's really two components to the lament of the people of God. Hear us, God. Hear us, because our enemies are mocking us. But that's a small portion of the, the psalm, isn't it? The, the largest portion of the psalm is directed towards who? God. The lament is directed towards God. 
Yeah, there's a little bit of, hey, come on, our enemy, we're being mocked. We don't like the uncomfortability of being mocked. But the majority of the lament is, hey, God, where are you? You seem unavailable to us. Are you here? Are you there? We have pain. We have deep pain over the apparent absence of you. Has anyone here ever felt deep pain over the apparent absence of God in their life? That's lament. And embedded in all of this is the yearning of God's people for the very real transformational presence of God. And the power of this text is not you sitting alone in your study, reading the text, having your personal quiet time with God and Jesus Christ. The very power of this text is that there is this moment in church when we gather together as the community of Jesus Christ called the church, and together we ask God to hear us. God, where are you? I'm not feeling it. There seems to be a communal apparent absence of the presence of God. God, will you please just do something? Can you come right now and just do it? That's lament. This is an angry psalm. (laughs) It's a frustrating people. But notice where they take their anger. Notice where they take their frustration. They don't take it out on their enemies. They don't take it out on each other. Look around. Look around. They're not taking it out on each other. They're not taking it out on each other. They're not taking it out on their leadership. It's not passive-aggressive that way. Notice what the people of God do. They don't don't take it out on politicians or pastors or whomever. They take the anger, the apparent absence of God, and they bring it to the presence of God where it belongs. You see, we're really angry at God for doing nothing. We're really angry at God for whatever the reason is. And the power of this text teaches us in a very formative and primal way that the anger that we have as people at the apparent lack of God's presence ought to be brought to the presence of God. And that's why we lament. So I have a, I have a question for you today. I need you to help me continue to build this message. What are the things that, as a congregation, we lament over together? What are we lamenting? What do you lament? You know what lament means, by the way? To grieve, to mourn, to be disappointed over the loss of. 
That's lament. It's a theological word for grief, for mourning, for loss. And the people of God in this poem take their grief, direct it at no human being, they direct it to the God who they want to hear them. With a very simple, hey God, would you please do something about this? It's been, it's been 350 years. What do we lament? What do you lament today? And what's that? Mass shootings. That's lament. Abuse of women. Homelessness. I met a guy this week that's literally living inside of a tree. How can that be possible? That's lament. What else do we lament? In culture, let's, let's, let's keep it at, at a distance for now. Civil discord, yeah. We lament uncivil discord. In fact, we lament the contempt that publicly we hold for one another, which is actually even worse than anger. I can be angry and not sin, but if I am in total and complete contempt, in my mind, the other person object is objectified to the point of being a moron. And that's a lot different. Not worthy of being heard by God. I heard another one over here. Okay, uncompromising attitudes of people who make decisions for our country. Okay, so the destruction of natural resources, and, and Alfredo's from Venezuela, so it's his home country. He has that place in mind in particular. But that concept can certainly go glo everywhere, global. The lament of the people of God. We bring it to the presence of God and we say, God, do something. How about ministries that have happened? Let's bring it close to home. How about ministries that have happened in this place and they've, they've slowly faded away. There's lament for that. We need to be able as a congregation and community to, to lament and grieve and celebrate at the same time. You know, the Mental Health Task Force, by the way, Kim Rodebush, Kim, are you here? Thanks. Hi, Kim. Linda, Bobby, Lee, Jonas, Amor, that task force, they've led us into a deeper understanding, right, of the significant issues around mental illness. And the time has come for them to disband. So we mourn that, 
we celebrate that and we look forward with hope, and I'll get to this in a minute, for the way in which that legacy will continue. And we ought to do this communally and publicly, transparently. That's what we're doing, my sister friend. <laughs> Dean's in the house. It's getting easier to see you, though, back there. Anything else that we lament? Let's have fun with this. Racism, right? What else? Anything else? Do you get the message? This is a powerful text. We lament together in community. We don't blame each other. We bring it to the presence of God. Because really, after all, it is all about God. And we ask God to do something. And the text continues on, which is the good news, <laughs> you know, about, about Advent and about Christian faith. It's important to recognize in this text that there's hope. It's not lament without hope. It's lament with hope. And so as a community, we hope together. We're hopers. Hope is that ability to look forward to something, to desire with reasonable confidence that something new or different or unexpected will take place. In this psalm, three times this phrase occurs. Hey God, let your face shine upon us. Let your face shine upon us. Let your face shine upon us. Four times that we may be saved, 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 and three additional times, restore us God, restore us God, restore us God. Living the tensions of lament and hope are important in healthy congregations, and we don't do that as pure despair or hopeful moralisms. We do it with the recognition that the one who sits on the right hand of God, the Son of God in Jesus Christ, enters into the midst of these two apparent polarizations and holds them together and asks us to just follow him. Come on, just follow me. Just follow me. And that's what Advent is all about. There is space in faith for what we believe and what we experience in life to be intention. Disappointment or anger and hope or joy can coexist together in Jesus Christ. It's important for us to lean into one another and take our lament to God or we risk contempt for one another. When we take it to God, there's something mysterious that happens because in the midst of lament, we're pointed forward to hope and we always live with the assurance that God and Jesus Christ is walking with us and holding those tensions together. And the, the change has already started, but it's not yet here. It's coming soon. Thanks be to God. 
In a few minutes when we celebrate communion together, you'll notice a few additional items on the table. When you come up to receive the elements, we encourage you to, there's candles on each side. Take a candle, uh, saying a private prayer of hope and or lament or gratitude or thanks or for someone to light the candle. We're going to start closest to the stage and then fill the candles forward. So you're going to walk down the center aisle, light a candle if you want, and when you fan out, you can receive the elements and head back to your chairs. Building strong bridges lives in the tensions of lament and hope. Why? Jesus always walks with us. Let's pray. It's a complex world. It continues to be increasingly complex. For us, it's new waters. For you, God, it's the same old, same old. We do get tired of the fight, the battle, your apparent absence. Our belief in you is incongruent with the hope that we dream of. Forgive us when we are impatient. Forgive us when we hurt one another. Forgive us when it comes out sideways. Teach us to take our complaint, our lament, to place it at your feet, to lean into each other, to look to the community for restoration and revival, that your face would shine on us, that we would be saved. Because God has come in Emmanuel. God has saved us through the cross, resurrection, and ascension. And God has restored us spiritually to you. And some point in the future, we'll make all things right. The transformation will be total and cosmically complete. And until that day comes, well, in the refreshing words of a little child, we'll just follow you and call it a good day. In your name we pray.